Hey, welcome back to another Dispatch from Holly McKay. We are going to Afghanistan today. And in particular, we're going to revisit the year of Afghanistan on the aftermath of, of the withdrawal of the United States, pretty much on its anniversary. And Holly, you were there and saw what happened and have been tracking very closely what has changed. How's this year been for that country? Yeah, you know, it's it's been a, um, you know, a, a rough year, I think, on many different levels. Um, you know, I particularly think really with the women in Afghanistan, it's obviously have, I would say has, you know, they've endured the biggest changes of all. Um, you know, certainly the country is enduring, you know, quite um, an economic hardship with all the money that was taken. And, and really, it was an artificial economy that existed for 20 years that was ripped out. Um, you know, exactly a year ago. And now it's a situation where, you know, there is money slowly trickling through, but it is, it's a difficult life for a lot of Afghans, um, you know, compared to the, you know, trillions, trillions uh, of dollars, literally, that was poured in by the United States over the past 20 years. Um, so from an economic point of view, I think it's been, um, you know, it's been a pretty rough time. But, <sighs> You know, I think a lot of the doom and gloom that sort of existed um, when the fall happened in August last year, as I sort of predicted at that time, hasn't necessarily come to fruition. Of course, we hear stories about, um, you know, individuals, a lot of the times then perhaps they were in special forces in Afghanistan. Um, they killed a lot of Taliban. There are certainly those cases of people being retaliated against, but in the big picture scheme of things, um, you know, a lot of the, the sort of the alarm that existed a year ago, I would, you know, beg to sort of say isn't necessarily uh, the reality on the ground. Okay. Um, well, so what is the reality on the ground now? The reality, I think, on the ground now is is really um, is shaped by... Uh, it's shaped by the economic hardships. They've obviously lost a lot of the healthcare that existed, um, but really on a sort of on a fundamental human rights level, um, it certainly is the women that, um, you know, ha have, again, have had to endure changes and that it most flagrantly is the fact that they have not been able to go to school for more than a year. And that is the, the really challenging part in most provinces um, and not in all provinces, mind you, but in the majority of provinces, the Taliban um, since August of last year has not allowed girls, um, you know, above the age of, I think it's 10 to 12, go to school. And, and that is really depriving half a population of their right to education. So that has certainly been a struggle, um, even with women that are going to the universities, um, the rules have changed a lot. They're being told that they have to wear burqas. However, I hear from different people, um, different degrees of how that sort of mandate is enforced. Uh, a lot of the time, um, you know, the Taliban the, will say that this has to happen, but isn't necessarily you, you aren't going to jail if you're not wearing it. Um, so it's it's sort of how they want to see the country and certainly I think over the course of the year have become a lot more stringent um, and, and we've seen a lot more remnants at least of the Taliban that ruled in the 90s in terms of how they see um, Afghanistan and how they see the rule of law in Afghanistan. Um, so, you know, it is the women who who I think, um, you know, don't really have much of a recourse and, and are fairly limited in, in their work and in their education. Okay. Yeah. So I'm recalling uh, 
because you know we've talked about this stuff for a while but uh last year um one of the things that you noted to me was that you thought that this uh this hardship on women would hit a portion of the women of afghanistan but leave others relatively untouched because not much would change in their lives is this change for women now change from a one that was as you anticipated to be isolated to you know essentially the urban more progressive side of of afghan society uh, and or or has it expanded to basically be universal throughout the country um it's certainly you know geographical certainly in the villages are are um you know very conservative places regardless of who is ruling those areas so things in those places certainly won't change but if you're looking at the bulk of of the major cities Kabul Kandahar and other places where women were used to a lot more freedoms um you know it is a, a big struggle for for them to kind of you know, I think adjust to the to life. And even though a lot of women have adjusted to this new life, it has been a year, I think you can never really adjust. And and one woman sort of described it to me as, as living kind of under the law of the jungle, uh, which does mean things change frequently too. And it really comes down to which Taliban that you happen to cross that day. You know, you may cross a, you know, a Taliban that's ruling a certain area may be a lot more flexible than a Taliban that's ruling the neighborhood um, right beside you. So I don't think the Taliban is, is necessarily a cohesive unit by any stretch of the imagination. It is very, very divisive. Um, and so that really does make it difficult and confusing for Afghans who, who do live there. Yeah. Well, um, I think that was a problem when you uh, were there a year ago as well. Um, speaking of which, so in terms of, you know, the last time you were there, um, was tumultuous. I mean, you know, I, I remember you sending me messages about, um, uh, being very, very worried the day that Mazar-e-Sharif fell. And, um, in the aftermath of it, though, you, you know, you you stayed in Afghanistan to try to document some of the early portion of the changes mm -hmm. and um, and saw quite a bit uh, as, as people were still hopeful. If you were to go back today, do you think you would still find that or do you think you would find people far more forlorn? I think people, you know, eventually over time, they do accept their reality. Um, but I think still, you know, I still get messages. I think Afghans are still looking for windows of opportunity to be able to leave the country uh, where possible. And then you have other subsets of the population that have resigned themselves to what the current administration um, expects from them and uh, and are trying to, to sort of get, a, get on with their lives as, as best they can. But it's... Um, I think it's a really mixed bag. It's hard to to paint something like that with a broad brush. Yeah. So yeah. Now I rem I remember when you were there. Um, you went all over the country because there was this, you know, basically the United States wasn't there anymore, and so there essentially all the roads opened up in the country, and you took a grand tour essentially of the place and and found found people took a lot of pictures, and I think you documented quite a bit of that didn't you yeah I mean I wrote a lot um and then Jake my photographer and I were working on a book which is coming out uh, in the fall 
Um, but yeah, that was sort of this very unique opportunity to be able to suddenly have access to sort of this entire country that we never had access to because it really was too dangerous. It was in such a state of intense war for so long and the Taliban and other um, groups controlled different roads and areas so it really wasn't safe to go to too many places and you sort of had to fly and even that was limited and then suddenly you know everything felt very open and suddenly you could drive down the completely bombed out road to get from A to B uh, across the country. And, and that was a very sort of unique, um, unique time. And I think really early in that Taliban reign, I think the Taliban themselves, you know, they weren't sure how they were going to govern. They were trying to sort of um, curry favor with the international community at that point. So things were strangely open. I mean, you could walk right into ministries. In one case, we walked right up to a suicide bombing school and knocked on their door and asked us to, you know, could we come in? And, and they let us come in. And so it was very bizarre. Things like that you just can't do in Afghanistan now. There are so many different layers of letters and permissions and, um, you know, and most of the time you, you'll be told no. Um, it's sort of a lot more uh, paranoid and, and, and there's a, you know, a big crackdown. Whereas, and, and I noticed that certainly over the course of that time, but I think we're, you know, right in the beginning, it was this very bizarre, very unique um, part of history. Yeah. Well, um, you're going to go back there because, you know, like you, you, one of the things about you is, is you go and check on these places, uh, you know, sequentially over time to try to chronicle how things change over time. What do you think you'd find if you went there now? Absolutely. Well, let's save that conversation for my soon to be trip back. Oh, very good. Well, that's certainly going to be a very interesting set of dispatches when that comes around. Uh, and with that, I think we'll leave it at that and a bit of a cliffhanger. Thank you, Holly. And uh, we'll hear from you again soon. Thank you.